The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following program belong solely to the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of this radio station, our parent company, advertisers, or affiliates. Welcome to Sharing Our Stories. We share stories of support for individuals in recovery from substance misuse and mental health-related issues. There are numerous pathways to recovery, and each week we welcome powerful leaders and role models who have struggled in drug and or alcohol addiction, have found a pathway to recovery, and who thrive as positive community members with an ongoing vision of success. Join us as we share our experiences, strength, and hope. When the world says, give up, hope whispers. Try it one more time. Good morning, Mahai, and welcome back to Sharing Our Stories. Uh, my name is Slim, along with my co-host, Tomas Hernandez from Tribe Recovery Homes. And if this is your first time tuning in with us, welcome and thank you for putting us on and letting us be a part of your Sunday morning. This is Sharing Our Stories. And, well, I'm going to let Tomas from Tribe Recovery Homes this morning tell you what this program is all about. Hey, everybody. Good morning. I hope everybody's well. Yeah, I'm Tomas Hernandez. I'm the founder and executive director of Tribe Recovery Homes. Tribe Recovery Homes is a nonprofit organization that we got downtown Denver and also service the metro Denver area, even Boulder. Um, we specialize in, in um, mental health and addiction and creating a recovery plan with a high emphasis on the judicial system, which means is, uh, you do enough drugs, you drink too much, you end up with a ticket, you, you end up a tribe. So that's on a pre and a post. So what that means is if you got a ticket, you just, you're about to go, to go to court, you come mess with us. If you're uh, getting out of, out of prison, incarceration city, state, um, federal, you come to us. And we help you out the best way to figure out your addiction issues, figure out your mental health issues, and get you independent, independently strong and off paper to have a better and brighter day. Um, if you want to learn more about us, go up to www.com tribe recovery homes.com or call us at 720-60-TRIBE that's 720-60-TRIBE or 720-608-7423 and we'll be available to take your call and uh, hopefully we'll be a good fit and if you're not um, we got tons of community partners out there to get you where you need to be but yes the service is 18 and up we do bill all our therapies and mental health on Medicaid so there's no big uh payment up in front that you'd have to do with a commercial insurance situation so we're trying to make sure that we can just meet you where you're at and get you the flow and the in the, in the uh, opportunity to save your life you've gotten really good at this by the way <laughs> <laughs> not only helping people but being on the radio man i appreciate it yeah come on man uh mahai sharing our stories uh what he didn't mention is that this program is about addiction and recovery and we bring in people each week to share their story of um, dealing with addiction, their struggles with addiction, and their pathway that they found to recovery. There's no one way to recover. There is a, a lot of different pathways that people find to get to their recovery. And we believe that, you know, by sharing these stories, hopefully we can help just one person out there in the mile high um, defeat their struggles with addiction. Uh, so we, as we can share some hope, some strength, um, then we've achieved our goal. And if we can help one person out there find that recovery, well, then this mission has been accomplished for the week. And uh, we want to thank our, all of our guests that have come in. And once again this morning, we have another great guest from right here in Denver who has come in to share his story of addiction and recovery. And if you or a family member is dealing with addiction, hopefully by listening to this program, you can find that pathway or you can begin to understand what it is that they're going through just a little bit more. Maybe uh, it opens your heart to their struggles or it could help you to help them so um, thank you for taking your time this morning and, and giving it to us to listen to um, and this morning we want to welcome our guest Uriah Heron from Denver and thank you first of all for coming in Uriah appreciate you my man thank you and um, we're going to turn this over to Uriah and he's going to tell you his story of addiction and recovery. So, Mahai, thank you so much for your time. And here on Sharing Our Stories, we welcome Uriah Hiron from Denver. Uriah, thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Uriah Hiron. I'm from Denver, born and raised. Um, as a kid, um, I didn't have my dad growing up, so my mom was the only one raising us, me and my brother Eli Hiron and my sister Jessica um, I had two older sisters, but they were already living on their own. So uh, 
my mom, she tried, she tried her hardest, you know, she was trying to raise us to be, you know, good kids, but at a young age, I had my older cousins that would come around and uh, they were bad influences. And, you know, we started gangbanging at a young age. And, uh, but when we were, when I was 12 years old and my brother was 13, my mom got in a bad car accident and uh, she messed up her neck and her really her back really bad. And she ended up getting a, a settlement from the insurance company and um, she got hooked on um, pain pills. And uh, as us used to my mom being around as a strong working woman um, doing drugs and uh, the medication that she was doing, um, I had fake family come around and uh, they introduced my mom to crack. And uh, one of my earliest memories was me and my brother. We were crawling up the the back of where we were living uh, to her window to look in and see what she was doing. And uh, as we looked in the window, we see my mom um, getting handed a, a pipe. And uh, me and my brother ran inside and it was my cousin. Um, she she was giving my mom drugs, and and thing I blacked out, and I ended up hitting my cousin, and my brother ended up kicking her in her face. We were kids, you know. We didn't really understand because that's all we knew was our mom, you know. It was so it was really hard. And then after that, you know, my mom lost touch with us. You know, she she got carried away by addiction, and uh, we didn't understand then. So you know, we turned to the only thing that we knew was, you know fake family, you know, people that wanted us to, you know, follow in their footsteps as, you know, being in the gangs. And uh, so we went, you know, we started getting in, tr getting in trouble, getting in the fights. And um, we got locked up at a young age. At 13 years old, I was 13. My brother was 14, and they committed us to DYC. That's the Division of Youth Corrections. Um I got a five-year sentence. My brother was already in uh, ROP, a uh, rite of passage, when I was going through uh, the Gill, and then the Gill is the Gilliam Youth Services. And then um, after that, they transported me to Montview, where you have to go through assessment. And at that age, I was younger than everybody. I was littler than everybody, so I had to prove myself. And I went in there fighting, you know, just not even caring, you know, because I didn't, I didn't have no guidance. The guidance that I had was from people that didn't care about me. So um, I went through I went through Lookout Mountain. Uh, it was a boot camp, the beginning of it, and uh, then I went and went to the regular units. I was in Spruce, and um, the kids in there they were all older, and so you know I was you know having to prove myself there too, and I was you know doing everything I could to fit in and. Um, I ended up doing a year and a half, and I got out to my sisters, and I, they wanted me to move to a good neighborhood. I moved to Lakewood, and I started playing baseball, And um, but I always had that, that badness in me. I was just a baby kid when I was a kid, so um, I started hanging out with the wrong crowd, and uh, my sister told me to go live back with my mom, so I went back with my mom. My mom was living in the north side off of a uh, 27th and Clay at my grandma's. And um, one night I went with my cousin, Matthew, and um, we were drinking and we, st we were stealing cars. And we went to Decades. It was an old um, um, youth, uh, youth club. And um, we ended up getting into a fight with some guys. And um, as one of the guys ran away, I ended up running after him. And uh, he ran into a closed-off apartment complex. And uh, he called a bunch of the, his homies came out. And they ended up jumping me, hit me, hitting me with the baseball bat. And that was the last thing I woke up. I woke up in the hospital um, with breathing tubes on my head. And I, was, I had a breathing machine. And um, I ended up getting a brain injury. I, they, when they hit me with the baseball bat, they shifted my brain to the right side of my head and caused a blood clot and the doctors had opened up my head and remove, uh, removed that blood clot and um, stapled me back up. I had 48 staples in my head and I ended up having to go through uh, intensive physical therapy to learn how to walk and talk again. Um, 
after that i was i had it i got in trouble for them cars i was stealing um they ended up recommitting me to the division of youth corrections and i ended up going to a group home in greeley and um I used to get passes, and I used to see my brother. He got he got out. He ended up getting locked up, but he got back out. And um, the last time I seen my brother, he told me that the cops were going to kill him. And I didn't understand why. You know, I didn't understand what he was doing. I thought he was just, you know, talking, you know, because that's how my brother was. Um, I ended up getting a call a week later that my brother got killed by the cops. And... Uh, I ran away from that group home, and um, I was at my mom and dad's house in Glendale. And um, the cops, they ended up coming for me. And um, they kicked my whole family out. They had SWAT. And um, they ended up shooting me with the beanbag gun. Um, but the cop, the Glendale cop told me, told me and my mom that the Denver cops were there, and they were out of their jurisdiction, but they wanted to kill me. Um, so... I ended up going to the hospital, and um, I got locked up in Denver County because I was overage already. And um, I ended up getting out because my juvenile parole officer, she came and got me and um, took me to the viewing where I see my brother. And that was the last time I've ever seen anybody in a casket was my brother um, because it just made me lose myself. I'd see my brother laying in the casket with bullet holes all over him. And uh, I just didn't know how to handle this, so I ended up turning to things that I knew, and I was hanging out with the wrong people. I ended up going to the DOC when I was 19 years old. 19 years old. And uh, since I was a new number and I was young, I had to do the same thing I did in my past, was prove myself and... Uh, I ended up going to Ordway, which is Arkansas Valley Correctional Facility, and uh, I was only there for three months. They pointed me out for fighting. Um, I went to Lyman, and I uh, ended up doing three and a half years up there, and um, I just, I didn't care. I didn't have no, no, no worry in the world. You know, I just thought my life didn't have no meaning because my brother wasn't there. He was, we were only a year apart. And uh, I ended up getting out of prison when I was 23. And I still, I didn't care about nothing that I was doing. I was out partying. I was out drinking, you know, just doing the most. And um, I ended up meeting my son's mom. And uh, she ended up having my both of my boys back to back. They're 11 months and 22 days apart. Um, and to support my family, I couldn't find a good job because I was a convicted felon so I ended up working with my cousin and he was doing plumbing and uh, we used to go to houses that was like you know real late like we'd stay there till like three four o'clock in the morning and he would be wide awake I'd be ready to fall asleep at their house and I asked him I was like hey cuz like how are you how are you staying up it's already we've been here for a minute and he was like oh, I just do lines I just do lines and I was like lines of what and then he was, he was like, man, he was like, but you don't want it, you don't want it, it'll, it'll mess up your life. And I was like, nah, it's all good, let me get a line of that. And then that's what brought me to my addiction with with meth. But So I started, you know, going around people that were getting high. And But, you know, one thing is that, you know, God has always been a part of my life, and I've never been able to stay out long when I was messing up. So I ended up going back to prison, and I ended up doing three years. And... um I got back out, and I thought I was going to do good, but then I started surrounding myself with the negative people, you know, gangs and, you know, people that never had no loyalty to me in the end. So, you know, I ended up doing drugs more and more, and uh, I, uh, the last time that I ended up getting high, I was with people that I was showing loyalty to. We were at a hotel. And I had a bad feeling that day, like something bad was going to happen. And everyone was just telling me, like, hey, you're tripping, you're tripping. Just go go lay down, you'll be all right. And I was like, no, nah, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable. And I ended up taking a drink of some alcohol. And next thing you know, I started sweating really bad. And I walk outside. 
And as I'm staying down, my vision starts tunneling and my breathing starts getting really bad. And um, I look around and there's like people starting to walk up on me and I, I grab my phone out and like I couldn't really see. And I dialed the last number on my phone and it was to my mom and my sister. And I was telling my mom and them that, that I loved them and I was sorry that I wasn't better, that I didn't live up to my full potential. And to tell my boys that I loved them because it just felt like I was dying. My vision was tunneling. My breathing was really bad. And my mom and my sister were crying, like, where are you at? Where are you at? Um, tell us, please, what's wrong? Why are you breathing like that? And as I'm saying this, there's people surrounding me laughing at me. And the cop walks up and he asked, he's like, he's like, what's taking him so long? And the last thing that I remembered was, and I've always wanted, and I've always wanted to say that if it's my time to go, that I'm, that I'm able to ask God for forgiveness. And it was the last thing that came out of my mouth was, Lord, please forgive me. And I fell out. And, uh, a couple of days later, I wake up at Swedish Medical and, um, the doctors, I was on breathe, like I woke up and the little um, things start beeping and the doctor comes in and he's like, you're all right, you're all right. And I was like, yeah, why, what happened to me? And they were like, um, you were filled with all kinds of different um, different medications, different like benzos and opiates and um, um, fentanyl. There was all kinds of stuff. And there he was like, you're serious. It's, it's a it's a it's a wonder that you're still alive right now. And I said, How who called it for me? And they were like, Some girl rode with you in the ambulance and said that she was your girlfriend. And I just remember that night, that day that when it happened, that there was nobody with me, you know, and it's happened to me twice. It happened to me when I got my brain injury when I was a kid. They said that, you know, because where I was at, that if I would have been laying there another half hour that my brain would have, uh, the blood clot would have exploded in my head and I would have died. But some guy called an ambulance. And then in that same period of that, when it happened, they put that stuff in my drink, you know, that, you know, it, but it was all God. I believe it in my whole heart. Like, so I ended up having to go back to prison because I was on parole and I was on ankle monitor and I was at a location. So they um, charged me for escape. And I tried to fight it. I went to Boulder County because that's where I was at. I was living with my sister in Longmont. And um, I tried to fight it, and they they wouldn't come off it. They gave me a year consecutive to my parole. And um, as I was going in, um, the only thought in my head was, Lord, I need to change. I need to change my life. I'm going to end up doing the rest of my life in prison, or I'm going to end up dead. And how am I, how are my kids ever going to look up to me? How are they ever going to be proud of me? I said, I'm doing the same thing my dad did with us. Getting locked up, going to prisons, picking drugs over us. And I wanted to break that cycle my dad had with us. I wanted to be a better dad to my sons. I wanted to be a better person, a better son to my mom and dad a better brother to my siblings, a better uncle to my nieces and nephews. And, you know, I, when I went, when I was going through DRDC, I hit my knees and I asked God, Lord, please help me, help me live up to my full potential. Help me be the best man that I know I can be. I said, I've done living this life for all these years, giving loyalty to people that never had no loyalty to me right back. Let me show loyalty to the people that's always been there for me. And I made a promise that day that I was going to do everything different, that I was going to get out. I was going to be honest about all the things that I've been through in my life. And when I got out, I went to a program for on parole. They, they were like, because I went to the parole office and I talked to my parole officer for the first time. And she, she was like, well, tell me what's, what, what's your plans? And I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I got a drug problem. I got an alcohol problem. I got mental health problems from the things that I've seen in my life. I've seen one of my best friends get shot in the back of her head and she died in my arms. I was honest about everything and I said, I need help. Instead of putting me, throwing me back in the prison, help me. Help me change my life. Help me be different. 
let me talk to somebody about the things that I've been through. I'm willing to do whatever it is to be successful. She was like, well, we got this program that we can send you through. It helps people out. I don't send a lot of people there because a lot of people don't sound like you. But she said, I'm against the wall because of your record and how many times you've been on parole and you've never been successful. And I was like, well, whatever it is, I'm going to show you. Actions speak louder than words. I said, I'm telling you this, but I'm telling you my actions are going to line right up with the things that I'm telling you. So I went to this program, and it's in Longmont. It's called the Reentry Initiative. And um, I met with um, the director there. Her name was Emily Kleeman. And um, I had to sit down, and I just broke down, and I told her, you know, I've I've always lied about the things that I've been through in my life because I didn't want to go through things like this. I didn't want to be put on your ways. I didn't want to get put on an ankle monitor, but... It's different. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to be honest with you. I have a problem. I've been through a lot in my life, and I've seen a lot, and I need help. So she put me in groups, and I would go to groups, and I would, I would break down in the groups in front of everybody. Something that I was raised by my cousins that it's weak for a man to show emotion. And I was doing it different. Everything I was doing was different. I cried, and I let them know, like, you know, just the things I've been through. And so as I'm getting ready to complete this class, she she comes up to me, and she was like, well, we're, far, we're starting a, um, a peer support specialist that will be working here, and we want to offer you a job. And I was like, well, what is it? And she was like, this is what, you know, what you do here. You help people open up, and you help people, you know, and you can relate to a lot of people. That's all we're going to ask you to do. So I was like, well, let's do it. And she brought me through training, and I went through uh, Advocates for Recovery. And uh, I, I did the, it was a week-long um, course. I ended up getting my peer support. I started working. But me still, like, you know, I was changed in a lot of my ways, but I was still driving, and I knew I was, I didn't have my license. And that was the one thing I was doing, and it wasn't everything wasn't right. So I ended up getting pulled over, and I ended up getting a ticket for driving under with no restraint. And uh, I went to her, to my boss, and I told her, I said, "Hey, I'm just gonna be straight up with you. I just got a ticket the other day for driving under restraint." And she was like, "Oh, we'll help you. We're gonna work through this. We're gonna work through this." And the next thing you know, the next day she calls me, her and the, this, uh, the other boss I was working there, her name is Joydy, and um, and they're like talking to me like we kid gloves on, basically just telling me like, oh, we don't need you as an employee right now, we need to help you as a member. And I was like, wow, I have to get a lawyer, I have to fight this, you know, it's, you know, they didn't, they, I was driving in Boulder and the cop pulled me over because um, I was driving and, you know, it was just, there was a lot to it, but, um, so she brought me back as a member, but there's this place that's downstairs over there at where that, where I was working, it's called Recovery Cafe. And, um, I used to go down there and, you know, go do their groups and things like that and go talk to people. And they had a, a position open up as a peer support. And so I went down there and I talked to them and they ended up bringing me on and, um, while I'm working there, I'm I'm going through courts. I, I hired a lawyer, and um, everybody in the community out there, there's like you, you know you're you you make a change here. You're able to help people open up. You're able to talk to people, and there's a certain way about you that you know is not like anybody else. So you know I started doing that and continuing to you know help out in the community and. Um, as I'm doing that, like maybe maybe a month later, um, the reentry initiative comes back, and they're like, "Well, we want to bring you on again too." Um, we believe in second chances, even though they didn't show it at the beginning either. You know, it was just like the people that I grew up with, no loyalty, and you know, I you know I did it. I went back and I was doing both jobs, and but at the reentry initiative, I was like. It wasn't growing. I wasn't able to, you know, be valued or live up to my full potential there because they didn't want to let me grow. And um, one night I prayed and I asked God, like, Lord, 
let me let me go into a place where you know I can be valued, where I can be used, and they can see you know the things that I can do. And uh, the next day, I went to a wages quarterly meeting in Denver, and um, the craziest thing, the first person, there was maybe 300 people there, and the first person to come up to me and talk to me was my boss now, was Tomas. And, you know, that that just, it, uh, you know, it, it was an amazement, like, how God works, you know, like, because he came up to me and he, he was like, hey, I don't know what it is, but something's pulling me towards you, like, to talk to you. Give me your story. Let me know what's up with you. And I was like, all right. And I gave him a rundown of everything that I've been through. And he was like, hey, I don't want to step on nobody's toes. He was like, but we can use you. And, you know, here I am today, you know, in a place where, you know, I can say I enjoy going to work every day because I'm able to talk to people that's been in my situation at one time. I mean, you know, and it's, I love it. And it took a lot of years for me to get it right. But I know one thing in my life, it's always been God has led me in the right position, put me in the right positions. And I'm here today, almost three years sober. And I, and I'm happy. Tell them more about uh, the building and your neighborhood that you came from when you first showed up. <laughs> it was a trip, like, you know, because where where I grew up, I grew up in the west side off over by Llama Park. And uh, I'm a DG, baby. If all DG kids know what that is, it's Denver General. It ain't. I know they may have changed it to Denver Health, but it's always going to be DG. Um, and the first time they called me down there for an interview, um, I pulled up and I was like, look, we're right across the street from Llama Park. And I look and I'm like, dang, man, I, this is where it all started for me. This is where all my trouble came from. And it's all started here. And now, you know, look at, look, God, you brought me here. This is where it started. Now I can make a change here. And I go in the building and I meet the team. And everyone's just like, yeah, you know, we heard a lot about you, but we want to hear for ourselves. Like, what's what's your story? What's, you know, and I gave them a rundown of me and the person I was and the person I am today. And, you know, everybody, they were like, well, we want you. We want you, whatever we have to do. And, you know, it's every day I go to work and I look at the park and I look at, and it just brings back memories of, you know, gang fights over there or, you know, shootings and people getting killed and, you know, people close to me. And um, it's like, and it's an amazement because I'm able to make a change now. I ain't the one, I ain't the one causing trouble. I'm the one trying to help people change their ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, y'all, everybody, he, hers, them, they. Um, what he was talking about, Awaji's, uh quarterly meeting this is a powerful meeting this is uh 22 of the biggest re-entry players in in all of colorado um on a grant a, a department of corrections grant and these grant and these are all lived experience nonprofit organizations these are uh heavy hitters uh, ran by the latino coalition ccgrc helps out tremendously with getting our funding and and, and our advocacy done and um when he's talking about 300, no lie, you're talking about pioneers of the industry like Hassan Latif at Second Chance Center, uh, Leo Alirez at, at Lifeline, um, all the good folks at, uh, at Servicios de la Raza. Um, the list goes on. And, you know, I mentioned a, f- a few of them, but, I don't, you know, Denver, Denver Springs, Col- uh, Denver Works, Colorado Works. So when I seen him, um, I don't know, he's just, he's, you can't see him uh, if you're on the Internet right now. You'd be able to see him, but he's a pretty giant man, so he stood out. <laughs> he stood out pretty well, but um, I just knew I was like, um, he was sitting over by Lifeline and a few others, and I was like, man, I got to get over there, man. I got to get him before they get him. So I know I, I, I ain't seen him. I ain't seen him in this crowd before. So something about him just said, hey, we we want this guy. So I, I nudged a, a couple of my wages partners. I was like, what? I said, look at this guy over there. I said, he's green. He's ready to learn what you think. And they're like, go get him. So I sat right next to him. And uh, the rest is history. You know, um, it's a it's a big thing, you know, that 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 uh, it lined up with 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 our center because we're on 12th and Mariposa. 
for uh, people that don't know new to Denver or just an implant here that really don't know that area. That was probably the most violent park in Colorado history at one time. That was the uh, summer of violence. That was where a lot of things went down. Um, you're talking about a whole gang set got wiped out in that neighborhood and got taken by another one. So we strategically put ourselves in that area because that's our area of need. Because what's better than to put light in the middle of dark, you know, and be a part of that light. And that's what Araya is. And that's what recovery is in general, you know, um, given that second, third, fourth chance, uh, man, you know, it's, uh, it's a beautiful morning to talk about this because, you know, um, hearing your story, Araya was, I hear it over and over again, but I, I keep on getting pieces that more that more and more that we have in common. You know, you're, you're definitely like my little brother. I'm more than, more than, uh, just your boss, man. But yeah, you know, the part of talking about praying before the night before you went to the way, geez, uh, yeah, that, that explains why I just had to get you as my employee before anybody else did. You know, it was kind of, you know, it's a, about to be April. That was that first round draft pick that everybody wants. So I traded up with the Bears, you know, to try to get him real quick, you know. But, uh, yeah, um, I'll hand it over to Slim. But I just really appreciate you being a part of the Tribe family. I really appreciate your story. Man. Um, this is the first time you shared that story like that? Yeah. That's a very powerful testimony that you told. There's a lot of it that I know nothing about gangs, especially gang life in Denver. And I, I, I had many chills just thinking of the struggles that you dealt with and, and the things that you saw. Even before you got to the point of your addiction, the trauma that you, that you had to deal with in your life, like the fact that you could overcome those things get into addiction deal with that nearly die a second time and 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 change your life you're a very powerful man not only are you a big man so I know you powerful <laughs> but like you have a powerful heart and and it's a powerful story that you told and and I think it's it's one that though I can't relate to it it's one that many people can relate to there of course are things that I relate to in it but there are struggles that you've dealt with that I don't know about but I thank you for for being so open and honest with what you've been through and for for putting your hands putting your putting yourself in the in the Lord's hands asking for forgiveness and asking for a way and then following through on that because the work that you're doing now is is Incredible. I think you know that. I think you know that you know how to talk to somebody that's been in your shoes and to give them the hope that they need. And so uh, I got to tell you, man, I fell in love with you through your story, man, because you are a powerful man and and you are not done. <laughs> you know, when we say sharing our stories. Sometimes it sounds like this is the whole story. And all right, and that's it. Put a bow on it. We done. But you got a long story to go. You're still a young dude and you got a long story to go. And I believe that a lot of that story involves how many more people that you're going to touch and help the way you have this morning. Tell me a little bit about your life right now. What is your day to day life like right now? Um, my day to day life. Um, since I don't have my license, but I'm going tomorrow uh, to get my license and get a car tomorrow. Um, my day-to-day -day life consists of I wake up, I say my prayers, I wash up, um, I catch a bus um, all the way to Denver because I live in Longmont. Um, I take a bus. It's like a two-hour bus ride. Um, I get to work. Um uh, as soon as I walk in the door at work, you know, I got to start, you know, my my daily process of the things that they have, that, my responsibilities at work. But then I get with everybody that's in there, you know, in the program when they show up. Um, and I know everybody on a first-name basis that are, is in there. I go up and I talk to everybody like, hey, how you doing? Hey, bro, I'm proud of you, you know, keep on doing good, you know, because that encourages me. It means so much when you're going through recovery. And for somebody to notice that and someone to see that, you know what I mean, and continues to tell you, it means so much. And I know, you know, with me, when I was going through it, you know, like when someone was telling me like, oh, you're right, you're doing good. 
and you know it meant a lot to me so i make sure every day that i go in there everybody hears me coming you know they're like oh your eye is here you know like because they hear me like hey i'm happy for you you're doing good bro keep it up you know what i'm saying if you ever need to talk i'm here if you have you know i can i can i can talk to you about anything bro you know i want to continue to see you do good because i got a people a couple people that are in the program right now that i've known since i was younger and you know, they come and tell me, they're like, hey, you're right. You know, one thing is, I want to be like you. I said, you can't, you know, you don't want to be like me. You want to be like yourself. You know, you want to be doing good for yourself. Not nobody else but yourself. And then everything else will fall in line. And they're like, man, hey, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know. You, you inspire me. I'm like, hey, thank you. You know, that's what I'm here for. You can talk to me. I got you, you know what I'm saying? Everyone knows, that's my word, I got you, bro, I got you, you know? And that's that's what I'm here for, you know? That's It's not at work, I don't, I don't call it work, I call it a calling. You know, that's my calling, to talk to people, to help them open up, to help them see that change is possible. Because I can't change them, you know, but I can show them that change is possible. All the things that I've been through in my life, I should have been dead a long time ago. But I'm here. And I'm living my purpose, and that's helping. And, you know, that's why I tell Tomas every time I see him, hey, thank you, brother. You know what I'm saying? You brought me into a place where I feel like it's my family. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got my other family, but tribe is my family. You know, everybody, I love everybody, I tribe. And it's, you know, I'm comfortable, I love it. And, you know, everybody sees, you know, because I, I'm like, everyone says you're a big teddy bear. You know what I'm saying? Like, you show your love, and I do, you know, because when I was growing up, I couldn't show that. I couldn't show my emotion. I couldn't show the heart that I had. I had to be tough. I had to be fighting. I had to do the most, you know, the things that you have to go through in prison, and people that's listening, they know what it's like to go through a hard prison and how you have to act. But now, you know, I don't follow nobody, nobody that's doing bad. I'm, I'm my own leader, and I'm, you know, I want to lead people to sobriety and recovery and living their best life. Who do you see in the mirror now when you look in the mirror now? Because I know you you feel different. I know you wake (laughs) up and you go, I'm not the same dude. No, I see my true self. I see me, the person that I've known that was always there, but I couldn't ever show it because of the life I was living. I see Uriah. You know, everybody know me. They, They said I had two personalities. They knew me as Uriah, and then the bad self, they knew me as SK. And SK is no longer a part of me no more. It's Uriah, and I, he the best dad that I can be to my sons. I love my sons to death. You know, I wake up and I think about them. I fought for my babies. You know, my, my son's mom, she moved away because she thought that I was going to be that same person that was picking my friends over, my family, and drinking and partying, doing drugs. So she moved away. But when I got out the last time, I fought for him. I fought, I took her to court. I had to uh, hire a private investigator to serve her the paperwork. And, you know, I fought for him. And now I have joint custody of my boys. And I love every minute of it because I could find, like you said, look in the mirror and be like, man, you're a good guy. You know, you're you're a good person. You're, you got a big heart. You try to help people out. You you know, your, dad, your sons look up to you. And that's, you know, that's me. If there was somebody listening right now who was you five years ago, six years ago, what would you tell that person? Let go of them people that are so-called friends because all they're going to lead you to is destruction and loneliness. I gave that loyalty to people that never cared about me. Everybody knew, like, when I, was, when I got my brain injury when I was a kid, it messed me up when I drank. And I couldn't, I wasn't on my toes. I couldn't fight good. You know, and them are the people that always try to fight me when I was drinking. It's going to be the people closest to you that's going to stab you in your back and hand. So give your loyalty to people that want the best for you in your life. And drugs and all that ain't nothing. It ain't going to lead to nothing. And living your best life clean, sober, you're going to accomplish so much more. And always keep your faith and put God first. Man, um, yeah, everybody, um, wow, uh, you're right. You hit it right on the head. Um, I think uh, our audience knows that there's really no excuses about anything if, if they're listening right now. 
hearing your story. Um, also, what I what I felt in the story that uh, I want the listeners to really think about was um, it's crazy the work ethic that an individual can grab through passion and intent and accountability and spirituality. You know, um, not being counted out. Um, you know, the the prerequisite of of a stereotype of a, of a, of a ex gang member person with addictions and mental health would state that we're worthless and that we can never change and we are just a thorn in the side of humanity and all those negative negative things but what's crazy about recovery too is we learn these these uh these ad words so to speak and you know like my sponsor would tell me i don't have to beat you up uh you can do it all by yourself you can do it all by yourself for me, man. You just I'm gonna teach you how to rethink. And the thing about your story just shows with passion and intent and programmer recovery that you can make that change and you depower, defang that that stigma and that stereotype that people have that are wrong about individuals like me and you. Um I just thank you for for, for choosing me as your mentor, as your boss, as your family. Um you know, uh, and what he was saying about helping is you got to also understand, too, is we challenge him every day. Listeners, we challenge him every day. He has to run computer reports. These are from like master's degree clinicians that are giving him oversight. This is not something that he's just hanging out and, 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 gre- and greeting people. He has to write soap notes, dap notes. He has to make sure that his audits are right. He has to follow his uh, code of ethics, he has to learn policy and procedure, he has to do a lot of things, he's answering phones, he's checking people's bags, making sure there's no contraband, he's uh, doing everything short, but with us letting him drive, because he can't, don't have a license just yet, <laughs> but other than that, you know what I mean, he's available, and he's become a very, very challenged professional, and has met every those every one of those marks, so I wanted to tell the listeners to, to understand that it's not just the passion and intent, which is so important of what he just said in his story not to take the power out of that but it really does take a person to understand like what i just proved to you that it's not just the passion behind it that the people with addiction are very intelligent capable people it's not over it's not over so when you're looking at somebody that's sick just know that they're sick they're not they're not worthless yeah, they may look powerless right now because we are all powerless over addiction and mental health if we don't have a program and we don't have help. But you are looking at a very powerful, capable person with spirituality, accountability, and intent in a program of recovery behind that in that person. And, you know, that's what, what's beautiful about this show. Since 2017, it's been proven that over and over and over again. And... uh I'm just honored to have you on the show. Um, I love you, man. I just for real, for real. What what you just said too. It's like people think that oh, somebody's been to prison. They ain't smart. They've been to prison. They're no good. They 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 have no benefit to society. Whether they been there once they get out, they're still they have no purpose. But as you said, or or they don't know how they don't know how to be a, a a contributor to society. And we've got people listening right now in prison who I want them to, to hear what Tomas just said and what Uriah has been saying, which is you're in there, but when you get out, you have purpose. You, you are intelligent. You do contribute to, to society and you can be a contributing member of society. You can be someone that helps others. You can, you can get those things that you think you've lost. Absolutely. And you know, we have a lot of alumni that don't work at tribe and they still call each other. So when you hear tribe family, that goes farther than just the people that work there. Um, I could call people like John Waldorf right now and call Tomas. I could Who's call John Waldorf? John Waldorf's one of my first guys, man. That's when I had my first 27 guys. He's he's amazing. You know, him and Derek and, and Tomas and any of my nephew, Gary, that works with us, but, you know, kind of went back on that. But I got, you know, I got Chuck out there. I got John out there. I mean, I got people. I got all the ladies that are out there doing great, working for different organizations. Uh, I mean, it's it's truly a family, and it's not just reentry and recovery work. I mean, 
Like John is a perfect example. He's a construction professional, HVAC. He can sell roofs. He can do whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And and we've created that community to where you know I can think of right now alumni person if I need to get my tires fixed. I can think of an alumni person right now that I, if I need my roof to get redone, if I need construction work redone, if I just need another organization to send somebody to because. They work at another organization. And maybe Tribe isn't the place for somebody. Yeah, and you exactly. Need put, you need to find the place that does work for them. Exactly. And we're extended family, so it's, you know, and it's not just a Tribe family, it's a recovery family. You know, when I go out of town, Slim, Uriah, um, the first thing that I find is, you know, I'm a, I'm a 12-stepper. I'm a Narcotics Anonymous guy. I find meetings and I find a cigar shop because everybody knows I smoke cigars, <laughs> but I know I'm in the safest places on earth because, you know, cigar shop, for instance. Everybody thinks I'm trying to be cool right now. I just, you know, I I used to, I like smoking cigars, but there's a lot of opportunity to meet and, you know, everybody thinks it's the high-end people there, and there are some people in there, but really, truly, I never seen until walking into a cigar shop a person to have one or two drinks, even dump out the drink that they're having, or pour it back in the bottle, finish their cigar, go home and keep the job and not have domestic violence and not be on a bender and not do drugs in the bathroom and not talk crazy and repeat themselves over and over again and all the beautiful things that happen in the in the cultures that I that I grew up in and be back the next day with no hangover and chilling. You know what I mean? So I was like, yo, yo, I gotta figure this out, man. I gotta learn how to be these guys, but I don't ever drink. But I mean I gotta I got to see some more of this because I've never seen this, you know, and having intelligent conversations and thought. But where I'm going at with is is you find these communities in recovery, right? And those guys might be drinking. Not all of them drink, but they know my boundaries. And they much less knock a drink out of my hand before they let me put that up to my lips. You know what I mean? Let, let, my, let my best friend Boogie or Kingdom find out that I, my, my big brother find out that I got a drink in my hand. It's curtains. You know, I got all the cigar lords at my house. Like, what? what's up, yo? I'm little and I'll smack it out your hand. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? And they ain't even people in recovery because you honestly get to rejoin society, you know? And that's a, that's a question I got you for you, right? Aside from, from, from tribe, which is, we've already stated how beautiful that is in your life. What other tribes have you joined in your life that, you know, that keeps that light on? Like for me, yes, I love 12 steps and you're 12 step or two, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you know, the, the beauty of, like I was saying, like I made I made a cigar shop sound like a church. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know with that being said, it's, it's, it's those things and, and what, what sparks your interest, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, to finish on my side is, you know, those two communities, they're worldwide. I have power every time I sit down anywhere in those places. I know everybody that I need to know. You know, I'm Superman at that point because you can take everything in my whole life, but you can't take my recovery because I still got a fighting chance. But... What are those communities that, that, that really spark your interest that maybe you haven't joined yet? Maybe, you know, for like another one for me is, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud Prince Hall Freemason, Centennial Lodge 4. You know what I mean? Stuff like that is, uh, what are those things, you know, that really spark your interest that, that keep you safe and keep you alive? Mm. I, I could say, you know, my two that I do is, is, um, tribe you know that's a big one you know i'm there from early in the morning to late at night monday through fridays um but my other one i could say is recovery cafe you know i i work there on i don't like i said it's not a work it's calling i'm there on the weekends and uh you know it's uh my calling is just helping people i live by my heart you know i've uh, always had a big heart i just want to help people out i want to help people live their best life I've lost a lot of close people to me to that fentanyl, and um, you know, um, I, I sometimes I think and I'm like, wow, what, what's your last thought that's going through your head when you're dying? You know, what's what's going to be your eulogy when you, they talk about you at your funeral? You know, and I tell people like, you know, hey, you got the opportunity to change your life, and mine is like you said, your cigar shop and. You know, tribe and and uh, you know, um, so mine is just um, tribe and, and recovery cafe and church. That's great. You know, that's a thing that you don't have to, and that's enough. Don't you know? Say it with pride on that, and that's great. You know, it's a, uh, it's taking ownership. You know, it's it's great stuff, and that's the exterior. You know, like you know, and the great things that you're talking about was great. Is talking about fighting for your kids. You know, mm-hmm. a guy like you to get a private investigator. 
that's the paranoia to cops. And then I got y'all. I got him in front of police all the time. So he's like, you know, I'm already sparking that paranoia because our job is, you know, to work with law enforcement to make sure that our brothers and sisters don't return. You know what I mean? And that's and that's a big part of what we do. But I'm really proud of you on that, man. It's just, you know, you're still growing. You're still you're still pushing. You're still grabbing things. And, you know, that passion. If anything out of this interview that I hear is passion, huge, humongous waterfalls of passion that you can get from your story and intent, you know, um, I don't know, Slim, you, you got some things because I mean, I'm just I'm just excited. I, I, I just want to say that I, I can feel it in my heart that one day you're going to have your own recovery organization, bro. One day you're going to say, Tomas, I'm, gonna, I'm going off on my own here and not because I don't want to work with you or I don't love this place. But I'm going to open my own place and help even more people with the things that you've, you've taught me so that I can pass this on to someone else also. I feel that for you. I really do. Like, your journey is still just, if, if, if you were to plant a seed, and you know when, when, the, when it starts to grow and it's just that little green, that little green popping out of the dirt, and it's got the little leaf just peeling over? That's how I see you right now, even though you've done way more than that. You're you're much further than that. But I feel like, man, you still a little seedling that's going to grow into this huge plant of just power and wonderful power, like power that's just helping and blossoming other people. Because the stuff that you shared with us this morning is powerful. And and there's man, I I, man, I want to I just want to take you places and put you in front of folks. Because I know before we started this, I asked him, have you done this before? And he was like, man, I, I, I stood in front of one group of people once and I kind of I kind of got choked up with in front of them. And I'm hearing a story where it's like, man, you need to stand in front of people all the time and tell this over and over. Because I've been to like Step Denver before and I spoke in front of the folks at Step Denver. And I know that there's so many men in that place right now who relate to exactly what you've been through and to hear what you have have said. Man, you're going you gonna to give them so much hope, strength, inspiration. You're going to break them down and bring them up all at the same time. You know? Yeah, 100%. And, and if it, man, you, you are meant to do wonderful things in this world. That's why God has, has, has granted you so many lifetimes and, and kept you here. Because you, you're still a seedling going to be, a, in, in gonna so, be a, a redwood tree one day. Yeah, I, that's, I like, that's the main thing my boss right here said. You know, he, he comes in and he, he tells everybody, you can't be complacent at where you're at. He said, you got to want more than that. You got to want to be more than the peer navigator. You want to be, you got to be more. I want to know what your goal is, where you see yourself in five years. And he asked me that. And I, I was like, I want to be where you're at, Tomas. I want to be where you're at. I, I see right that. by you, side by side, you know, because this man right here, it gave me that loyalty. You know what I'm saying? Like when I was at the reentry initiative, they never had no loyalty. They're they didn't, they're a program that don't even help people. You know what I'm saying? And they and and it's sad, you know. And I was a part of it, but you know, he brought me to somewhere where you know it's it's there to help people, there to talk to people, mm-hmm. you know, there to show people to change, and not babying them all on their little step, but you know, it's telling them like, hey, you got this. You know, let's do it. You know what I mean? It's no kid gloves, no nothing. You know, but it's showing them. You know what I mean? And and I my loyalty, I tell him all the time, my loyalty is to you. And that's one hundred percent. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And you know, that's what it's about, you know, it's about it's about challenging you know, that's that's what manifestation is about. Everybody thinks it's some esoteric anointment from God. No, it really isn't. It's the ability to show up and put one foot after the next one. And surprise yourself and be the best version of yourself in any challenge that's in front of you, any goal that you want to reach. It's intent. It's passion. It's follow through. Yeah, you're going to fail. It's going to hit hard. You're going to smack your face on that concrete a couple of times. It's going to teach you. But I mean, you've been in addiction and mental health. It ain't going to be nothing you ain't felt before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You've smacked yourself a little bit harder than than anything that positive, you know, it's but it's it's really all of you. I mean, tribe is that one vessel to be great like how slim said you could be bigger than tribe bigger than whatever you know i want i want everybody that crosses tribe's path to be oh man this is one dude that i know who who would be like man i want you to be bigger than me (laughs) 
Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Because I know I'm not the biggest and I'm not ever going to be the biggest. God's put me in a place to be me and I'm going to be me. But just like how you tell those young men that you know from the neighborhood, just be the best version of you. Yeah. You know, I get that and I love that you said that because anybody that ever tells me that I, they want to be me, I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't, man, because you know. I'm just another vessel of God that's, 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 that's out here doing the best thing, you know, with what we do in the recovery community and the intent in general is basically like this, everybody. We lock arms with each other because at the end of the day, we know each other's passion and we know that at the end of the day, that's all that we got that understands us. And it's not to say that our loved ones didn't do the best for us. They didn't do the best for us. And, you know, some of them did us the worst for us. And wish that they could have changed that to do the best for us. And some of them really would try to do the worst for us again. Sure. You know what I mean? So keeping in that, that whole thing beyond tribe is, is keeping that whole consistency of, of trust and community to lock arms together and be the best version of ourselves. And that's the truest gift of manifestation inside recovery, to challenge yourself in that moment. In that moment, will you show up? It's the same thing when you're about to go to detox. Will you show up when it's knocking on your door, the new opportunity in your life, when you get out of that prison wall, will you show up? Will you manifest your life to be in a different position? Will you do the things that you have never, ever had the courage to do before? It's that second. It's that split open spirituality choice. Whether you believe in God or not, but you know you're going to feel it because I know there's a lot of people in recovery that don't believe in God and that's okay. But there's going to be that feeling right there that's beyond man. Are you going to show up for that challenge? And that's what true manifestation of, of recovery really is and how this thing works. No matter how hard it is, don't give up. Never. Like what else we got to do, man? Go back to three, three hots in a cot. None of that. Nah, nah, None of that. Nah, they, I, there was a picture on Facebook the other day where it's like it takes many feet to do this, and the the, the feet by the toilet is like paint peeled off. Uh -huh. Hey, and I'm like, yeah, you know, you think about it because I have a lot of good friends that are lifers, and you know, they're they're never going to see the light of day again. You know, but it, I remember having deep conversations with them, and they used to tell me, "Yeah, youngster, you got you got an opportunity to make a change. I'm never getting out, never gonna make that change." And I still remember to this day, like, yeah, now I do, and I'm I'm striving for it every day. And I remember every day when I wake up, the lonely, the the lowest point I was at my, in my life, and how I felt, and. I live by that every day, and I let that drive me to the man I am today. Mahai, our guest this morning has been Yoraya Hiron from Denver. We thank you for sharing your story with us. It has been a powerful morning. Um, to those people struggling with addiction, hopefully today you saw something or heard something that maybe can spark your recovery. All right, we want to give you some hope and some strength that you can do this. If you're a family member out there or a friend of somebody dealing with addiction, struggling in these streets, maybe you can relate to them a little more. Maybe you can pass this on to them. If you want to listen to Uriah's story again from the beginning, you can find it on our websites, Jammin1015 and FlowDenver.com. It's Jammin1015.com and FlowDenver.com. And um, we really just thank Uriah for coming in this morning and being our guest here on sharing our stories. If you uh, want to take a step today to find recovery and you're like, well, where do I call? What do I do? You can pick up the phone and you can call Tribe Recovery Homes at 720-60-TRIBE. That's 720-608-7423. If they can't help you themselves, they are going to point you in the direction. They're going to give you the number or, or put you in touch directly with somebody who can somebody that relates to what it is that you're going through that's for men and women and we can start that pathway for you today regardless of what your situation is Uriah thank you thank you Slim man you the dude man you 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 that guy man you that guy don't you ever don't you ever have somebody ask you to tell your story and you say I don't know or I ain't ready you step up and go man I got a story to tell and you do that with pride my high city I hope you join us again next Sunday. 
I hope you share this program, and I hope this program helps you or a family member. This is uh, Tribe Recovery Homes, Tomas Hernandez here by my side. My name is Slim, our guest Uriah, and join us again right here next Sunday as we bring somebody in once again to share their story of addiction and recovery here on Sharing Our Stories. Have a great Sunday.